Lord. Well, turn in your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter four. And I really encourage you to have the, the word of God there in, in front of you. It will help my teaching and preaching to because, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily be a sermon. It's to be Bible study and learning what's being said here. So uh, it comes out different, different times. But uh, just follow along in the word of God. And we pray that God will bless tonight. Philippians chapter four. We're going to look at the first five verses, which read, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Well, <clears throat> we go from the subject of pressing on by faith to the peace of God. When we start talking about the peace of God, we're not talking about something that happens in a moment when we're speaking of the peace of God. It's something that is provided we have access to continually in our life. It's a daily walk that Christians have the privilege to have in the peace of God. Walking in the peace of God is our antidote for anxiety. The peace of God, it's the calm, assured, content state of our soul that we have by walking with the Lord daily. It's a very important experience for you and I that we would walk in the peace of God because if we're not walking in the peace of God, then the alternative is going to be worry. It's going to be discouragement. It's going to be defeat. It's going to be a, a critical spirit murmuring, grumbling, and slipping into all kinds of sin if we're not walking in the peace of God. There's a much better experience that God has for you and I than the things that I just listed. There's a victorious life for you and I in Christ and all that He has provided. And, and I guess we could list a lot of negative things all night long about what would happen if we do not walk in the peace of God. But there are about five things that I would like for you and I to look at tonight that are benefits of walking in the peace of God. And the first thing we see is the stand. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord... My dearly beloved, 
That word stand fast, it means to stand firm. It means to persevere. It means to persist, to be persistent, to be relentless. There's a song we sing that tells of the, the source of our standing fast. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking stand, sinking sand. If you want a picture of what this standing fast is like, picture the soldier on the battlefield and picture the enemy pursuing that soldier and that soldier not buckling, that soldier not backing down, but that soldier standing and taking his place and fighting. And, and, and so that, that's a picture of it. He, he's not going to, to back down from the enemy attack. He's not going to give ground no matter how much pressure comes upon them by the enemy. He doesn't even flinch. And, and as we picture that, we might think about an enemy that we have in another way. We all have enemies. It might be people. It might be places. It might be things. And, and my enemy that I face might not be the one you're facing. And, and, and you turn it around and we have the same situation. But we all have an enemy that we have to face in our lives. We all have to go through uh, the same thing with enemy attacks. And we've probably all been through the same thing by way of being tempted to quit by being tempted to give in, just to, to throw in the towel. Um, but we can stand just as that soldier did. And notice the way we stand, it says there, Paul says to stand fast in the Lord. He is our source of being able to stand. Look, when we worry, when we think, when we try to conjure up and figure out the easiest way out of a situation, we are depending on ourselves. That's going on within the realm of self, and we are not relying on the Lord when we look to ourselves. But He is the source. We must look to Jesus to be able to stand. We must be in, in, in a time of of prayer constantly, that's going to show our dependence on Him. And, and we must depend on Him, uh, praying to Him, and, and stay busy serving Him during a time of attack to stay busy witnessing for Him and to be meeting the needs of others and doing the things of God. That's, that's what's going to let us know that that we're really trusting in our source. We can't do those things if it weren't for Christ. And we need to stand on Him uh, and, and look to Him. And we gain confidence that way. We gain confidence in Him and we find that it's the Lord who enables us to stand. It is not in and of ourselves, but it's something that He does. The Lord is greater than all of our circumstances. We must look to Him in these times. When we walk with the Lord, we're able to stand our ground. And, and when we walk with the Lord, we're going to walk forward. We're going to actually be able to be pressing toward our enemy and, and, and find victory. I love 1 John 4.4. 4. One of the most encouraging verses. I remember the first time I ever heard it. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in 
the world. You understand the Lord is greater than all than you and I will face. When the enemy presses against us, the Lord still gives us victory. There's, and, and that, in that we will find this peace of God that we walk in. The peace of God. Uh, Jesus is our source. He is the only source for you and I to be able to stand. Uh, you remember where we are? Paul's talking about standing fast in the Lord. It's only by Jesus that this will happen. But there's something that the saints can do in this. The saints can encourage it. We can only be enabled by the Lord, but we find here that Paul is doing this very thing of encouraging the saints of God. He's, he's, he tells them, my brethren, he calls them dearly beloved twice. And he talks about how he's, he's longing for them. And, and they're his joy and his crown. Stand fast in the Lord. Christians can encourage this standing fast, even though it's something that only the Lord can do for us. This is what Paul is doing here. Paul's in prison, and he can't be with them. And he longs to be with the people of God. But you know what? He doesn't just throw in the towel. He, here he is in prison. He can't get to them. He is hindered. He has a great hindrance in his life. But all is not lost. And look, you and I get into situations where there are hindrances that will come upon our life. I mean, Satan hindered Paul from, from going to a church here and there. And we will have hindrances too. But that doesn't mean we throw in the towel. That doesn't mean because a handicap might come our way that all is lost. There's always something you and I can do. We can't always do what we've always done, but there's always something that we can do in the Lord. Paul was sitting there in prison, but you know what? He was able to encourage this church. He sat there and he wrote to them. He wrote to them and he encouraged them to do this very thing, to stand fast. And he did it with care. It's a, it's a command, but, but notice the dearly beloved twice in this statement. He, he reaches out to them and writes to them with care. The family of God, God's people had a great effect on Paul. I mean, they mattered to him. Fellow Christians mattered to Paul. And what was going on in their life affected him. People were important to him. And he longed to be with the people of God. And if he found out that they were standing fast for the Lord, this was a blessing to Paul. Some people treat... Christianity has a competition, it seems like, sometimes. But this was a, would be a blessing to Paul to find that they were standing fast. These are people that Paul had led to the Lord. He went to Philippi and he evangelized this place and he told them about Jesus. And these people were saved. And he had rewards in heaven as a result of them. He knew he had those one day. But And they were going to be his joy in heaven and a crown in heaven. But, but they weren't a trophy setting on the shelf for Paul. That wasn't his attitude. He cared about them now. 
and about their well-being. Now, by the way, while he was imprisoned, here he was with a heart full of care for him. His greatest joy was going to be finding out that they were walking in the peace of God. That was his encouragement to them. He desired their well-being. That's what he wanted to hear about them. That's what he wanted to know from them. He would get his crowns later. But understand, right here, right now, in the time that they were in, he desired the very best for them. You know, it helps to let another Christian know that they matter. I, I think sometimes... It's any of us can do it. We can sit and we can have a stretch of what seems like a, a little loneliness. And, and I'm, not, I'm not encouraging a, a pity party here, but we can think that no one cares sometimes. And, and just a word is so uplifting. And, and we need to let people know that we care. You, you know, for the, for the police officers, I, there's bumper stickers that say, Blue Lives Matter. Well, maybe we need some that say, Christian Lives Matter. Does the family of God matter to you? It, because it did to Paul. It did to John. In 2 John 4, in, in John's elderly years, he's writing to the Christians and he says, I rejoiced greatly to find that thy children were walking in truth. Does that fill you with joy to be around the people of God that God is moving in and you can see Jesus changing them and you can see Jesus growing them in ministry? That was, that gave Paul zeal. The Lord helps us to stand fast and we can help one another to do the very same. And speaking of the same, that brings us to our next point as we're entering into this chapter of the peace of God in our lives. He says, I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. When we're walking in the peace of God daily in our lives, we're able to walk at peace with others. We have peace with brothers and sisters in Christ when we're walking in the peace of God. You know, all of our relationships and associations with other people, I promise you, it goes back to the condition of our relationship with the Lord. It's going to reveal what's going on between us and the Lord with how we are between, between the Lord's people and ourselves. It's going to tell the tale. And we walk in peace with others when we're walking in the peace of God. But there are two very important women in the church at Philippi who are not doing that with one another. And, and, you know, when we study names, we, we find out things about people. This name, Yodius, it means one that has arrived. In other words, she's accomplished something in life. She has accomplished something in the Lord. She's a very accomplished Christian woman, okay? And then there's the other name, Sintiki. And, and her name means pleasant acquaintance. 
You might think about someone that's able to go around the church and, and greet a guest or, or just greet a member that seems to be a little down and discouraged and just to, just to lighten the mood. And it's, and it's such a blessing this person is. That's their gift when they, when they go and engage with someone. And, and, and so just a little bit about what their names mean. But there's a lot of things that would tell us that they were two important women in the church. However, toward one another, they're not the best example. You know, I believe every family has their dysfunction. I believe that we have problems with co-workers sometimes. I believe whatever club and association we might be a part of, there are going to be issues in the communication between people. And if there ever were a place, an institution, that there ought to be harmony, it's in the Lord's church. No, 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 uh, no other body in this world of any institution of any kind can have the harmony that the Lord's church can have. The greatest fam, the greatest harmony should be found in the family of God. Harmony in the church. It's one of the main reasons for this letter. It was very important that Paul write this letter for a couple of things. And one of them was for a healthy unity in the body of Christ in that church at Philippi. And it's such an important matter. We've, we've, we've touched on unity a few times through this letter. That's what Paul put a lot of emphasis on. And it's very important, but we seem to slight that sometimes. You know, we can work and, and we can work hard in the Lord, but sometimes we just don't place a great importance on working well with others. And, and, and look, the, both have to be there. We need to be doing the work. And we need to, to learn and, and to fight through and struggle through what it takes to work well with one another in harmony. This, the idea of having harmony and unity in the church, it's neglected by many churches and it's going to cost churches when they neglect this very important thing, this thing held of high importance. Paul is very repetitive saying different things about the importance of harmony and unity within the church. That signifies the, the, the great urgency that, that Paul has that they get this point. They need to get all the points, but definitely get this point. He's repetitive in it. In chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Only let your conversation or, or your lifestyle, your way of living, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In chapter 2, I'm going to read the first four verses and listen to what he says about unity. He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better 
than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Euodius and Syntyche, they desperately needed to humble themselves before God for the sake of the church, for the sake of their testimony. They, they needed to, to do it quickly too. They were, they were quarrelers, they were. And they were quarreling in the church. And the negativity was starting to grow and it was starting to spread to others. They were so divided that I want you to notice something that I didn't notice several times I've read over this through the years. As I've maybe skimmed this looking for something, I've read, I beseech Yodius and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. That's not what that says there. They were so divided that even though Paul addressed them in the same statement, he divided them. Look how it reads. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche. They were on separate ends. They were of a separate mindset. They were in battle. They were consumed with selfishness. They wanted their way. They didn't want what the church might decide is best for the church. They wanted what they thought was best for the church themselves and just went at one another in this. And it always affects other people. We have such a responsibility in the family of God as a member of the Lord's church because so many people can be affected by what we do. And so he says to them, that ye be of the same mind. You know, I, I value differences among the people of God. There are different ways to serve here. And I'm amazed at how God blesses and fills positions in the Lord's church, giving people the privilege to serve Him, and people coming in with different talents and able to use them for the Lord. That is such a blessing. I love the uniqueness of a person. I love just the differences among the people of God. Paul's not telling them to have the same opinion or lose their uniqueness as, a, as someone who is fearfully and wonderfully made individually by God, but they needed to love one another. And they needed to consider one another as better than themselves rather than to be battling as they were. They needed to be able to stand fast in one spirit with one another. And neither one of them was doing this. And you know what it tells? It tells that both of them were living outside the will of God. Like I said, everything about our relationship with the people of God, it is going to be the result of, of the measure and the condition of our relationship with the Lord. And both of these women were backslidden. It's easy to say that. Uh, it, you know, it's easy to consider the probability that both of these women were important as well in the church. Um, you know, one may have led Bible study. The other may have led the women's auxiliary or the ladies' fellowship. and Or, of course, they called it something different back then. Verse 3 
says that they labored in the gospel with Paul. So these women could have been and probably were soul winners and led people to Christ. They, they may have led some of those members that were in the church there to Christ. And they were, uh, just gifted children of God. And think about it. Think about it. Think about the damage that could have been done by all their arguing as they were looked up to by many. Think of what the sweet fellowship that the Lord put together there in Philippi. And for a couple of people to be responsible for the Lord for breaking up the fellowship that He put together. I know someone who hasn't been in church for 30 years and no excuse is going to fly before the Lord one day uh, no matter what happened. But I know what happened with this person and it had to do with, uh, of all people, the preacher and and the minister of music. And uh, and I laugh. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible thing. I appreciate you, Brother Tim. God bless. Glad we have such sweet fellowship. Um, but but they didn't. And someone hasn't been in church in over thirty years, and they're using that to this day. I don't want that on me, and and I don't believe you want that on you either. Unity. It's, it's so, it's so important. The Christians who could stumble, the fellowship that can be severed, these women need to repent. And, and as Paul's writing, they need to repent right now and enter back into the will of God. And they need to get their minds together and have their minds on Christ. We think about some history there as, as they were fellow workers with Paul in the gospel. They had their mind on saved souls before, on, on savings, on souls being saved. Now, now their minds are on selfishness. I mean, they got off track. Any of us can get off track, but it's another thing to stay off track. For this to be written to them, they had stayed off track for a while. It can happen to anybody to get off track, but to stay there, man, that's, that's hard to endure. When, when, when it's, when it's hurting the church over and over, they need, they need to, they need to desire to reconcile this. The, the, the answer to all things in conflict for the Christian is reconciliation. Their passion for their own preferences need to be on unsaved souls. They, it needs to be on Christians growing. I'm sure that's what it was on before, but they've gotten off track, and they need to get back, and they need to start redeeming the time. I I drew something on the board, on the dry erase board for the teenagers one time, and a few of them said they never forgot it. And I drew a line for the will of God, and I drew a line of us following the will of God, and then and then I drew the line off like our lives are going astray. And then, and then I made the line come back, but, and, and then we go astray or we go to the extreme another way. And next thing you know, we, we didn't, we didn't reach the top of the line because we were going this way and that way. I didn't, I didn't, it just, 
off the top of my head, I did that. And it, it impacted somebody and made them realize, wow, how much am I going to miss out on in the Lord when I've got mind on self or when I have mind on sinful things instead of the things of God. They're, they're missing out. They need to be redeeming the time because the days are evil and they're not doing it. They have, they have, they have done some hurt and they have missed out. They, praise God, they can repent. They can repent and they can come back to the work of God. There's too much gospel work to be done for any Christian to stay off track. They must get back. There, there's, there's no time for that. Christians must keep their mind on their purpose in Christ. And that's going to put Christians' minds on the same thing. We all have the same purpose in Christ. Our minds can be on the same thing, and it's the most important thing that it should be on. But let's look at the support in verse 3. He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Paul is pointing out a particular member of the church that can help these two ladies of the church. There is a yoke fellow, and he is able to help them to resolve their conflict. That's what Paul has judged in this person in the church. Um, that's their strong suit, to help people in their conflict. They're not the pastor, but they're a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what a peacemaker does? When it helps, helps two to come together in unity with one another. And they don't look at the situation and take sides. Their aim is not to find out who's right and who's wrong, but for them to do that and to help to, to bring them back together in reconciliation. And this is the job of this yoke fellow. And by the way, he has a fault in this stuff, just like these two ladies did. He, he already should have done it. I mean, we're required to help one another. We're required to be of a, of a help one to another. Helping one another, it's not an option. There's a conflict in the church, and he should have already, he should have already went to work on it. You know, every Christian can help. Every Christian's not in a condition to help. No, notice that Paul pointed out someone particular. You know, everyone's not in the condition. Everyone can be a peacemaker, but everyone's not in the condition to do so. Well, we have a rough situation if everybody just tries to start doing it without examining themselves first. There could be more hurt than there can be help in this situation. But Paul has appointed this one because he believes that he truly cares. He doesn't want to be bossy. He doesn't want to tell someone what to do. He cares. And he wants to help to heal the situation. And he believes that, that this yoke fellow is respected enough that these two ladies will listen to him. And that's what should be done. Reconciliation for problems should, should take place within the church. You know, peacemaking, it's such a delicate and difficult situation. Sometimes we dread it, but, but it's something we need to do. And, the, and, and church business ought to be taken care of within the church. We ought not go to the world 
who doesn't have the Spirit of God living inside them to help to reconcile our differences. It should take place within the church. I remember, I remember visiting a church one time and, and uh, the preacher was, uh, uh, giving a little hint of uh, that, that something was taking place, something had taken place in the church. And he said, and I'm not going to tell you the rest of it and nobody else is talking. And I thought, God bless them. If nobody's running around spewing out, the things that are going on within the church. It should stay in the church. The church has the Spirit of Christ to be able to reconcile any situation. Man, these, these two ladies. What, though, though, though the peacemaking work can be difficult, though it can be delicate, though the one doing the peacemaking will usually have a shot taken at him by those he's trying to help sometimes, but you know what? It's worth it. I mean, these two women have done gospel work, and they're not doing it now. What if they got back to gospel work? How great is that for the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's worth it. It's worth it for them too. It's worth it for any two Christians that we would would bring them together in reconciliation. Look what it says there at the end of verse 3. It gives a reason for him helping them. Their names are in the book of life. That, that, that makes us think of two things. Every, everyone matters. Everyone is important. Everyone's conflict being resolved and getting in line with the Lord Jesus Christ is very important. And we, and if we're not the peacemaker, we ought to be the prayer makers praying for that because it's so important to the church. But there, but there's another thing. There's another thing here because here we have two women. And they're doing such devastating things that that's in the process of possibly causing a, a split in the church. And they're true believers. Their names are written in the book of life. You know what that makes us think about? That makes us think about anything could happen to us. And in, we're walking with the Lord and we're walking in His grace. But we, we need to be in the word of the Lord. We need to walk in the peace of God because anything could happen to us. We, we need, we need to, to let the peace of God uh, dwell in us. Let, let the peace of God rule our hearts. That's what Colossians says. And it says, let the word of God dwell in us richly. Because, because we could be these two. Anyone could. Well, well let's get on. Let's get on to, to a standard that we see here. We need to help one another. We need to be a support to one another. But let's look at the standard in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Paul, Paul is in prison. False teachers are everywhere. Two prominent women that serve in the church or are in, in a quarrel with one another. They, they may, and, and they're right there in the church and they're working. They may sit up front, but they're backslidden. And Paul, in all of this, says rejoice. Rejoice again. Continually rejoice. How can Paul say this in such a time as this? Because the privilege of the Christian's rejoicing does not depend upon circumstances. The world says that peace is absence of conflict. But spiritual peace is, is tranquility within the conflict while it's going on. 
And so, therefore, when we don't base these things on circumstances, we can always rejoice. Our circumstances will come and they will go and they will change, but our Savior will never change. The state that we have in salvation will never change. And He is always the same. And our supply of strength never changes. The world can't rejoice. But this is the privilege of the believer. We always have something to rejoice in. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The standard that Paul sets here is that we can always rejoice. Rejoice, the Bible says, because your names are written in heaven. There is nothing that should, that should put any darkness or cast any shade or shadow over your salvation. That, that is something to rejoice in always for you and I. Oh, rejoicing ties in closely with one more benefit we'll close with. Uh, when we walk in the peace of God, we're going to share a sweetness. Verse 5 says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. We, we know what you, Euodius and Syntyche are doing. They are slandering one another when they should be sweet. They are growling at one another when they should be gentle. And everyone sees it. You know, they, they might think they're being subtle. I don't know. Some people think so. Everyone sees it. And so look what Paul is saying here. He's saying, let your sweet reasonableness be seen. Let, let, let your dealings be reasonable and, and let it be seen. Let, what does it say? Let it be known unto all men. And that's not just men, that's men and women. That is everyone. Remember that they were doing gospel work with Paul. And they were showing unsaved people a different life. They were, they were showing unsaved people, whether they realized what they saw or not, they saw Jesus in them. Christians saw Jesus in them within the church. And now they're seeing something else. They're seeing something else in their backslidden condition. Gospel work requires requires being around both the lost and the saved and making known unto them our moderation or our reasonable dealings with one another. It's something to work at. It's something to consider very important. It's something for you and I to put on the forefront of our Christian life as we come to serve and to work. Euodius and Syntyche, they were coming and they were serving, they were working, they were doing everything. One preacher said that there was someone in the church and, and they did everything in the church and, and they almost tried to take his position as pastor. They just tried to do everything. But And, and so when he complained about them for different reasons, they were wondering what's going on. Well, when this pastor resigned and that person uh, went through steps of certain things, it, it destroyed the whole church. And that preacher said, I wonder, I wonder if they realize why I had a problem with that person now or not. Some people are real busy, but, but not focused on, on, on unity. Some people are focused on working, but not working well with those around them. And Yodius and Sintiki, they, they need to get back to what they were doing. We see by the word everything they were doing. They're great Christians. 
serving the Lord greatly. But things got away from them. They need to walk in the peace of God again. You know, and, and nobody can walk in the peace of God if they haven't made peace with God. I said the peace of God is an ongoing everyday thing in our life, but the peace, but making peace with God is a one-time thing. And that's seeing that one is at hostility with God because of sins. Because of sins, they, they are the enemy of God and they need to be reconciled to God by trusting in one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who came and he died for our sins. And, and we are, when we make peace with God, we are justified by faith. It's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ that we might come to peace with God. And then, and then we can walk in the peace of God daily. After, after that one moment in your life that you've made peace with God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Don't, don't leave if you don't know Jesus as Savior. And, and there's plenty of us around to talk to uh, before you leave that, that you might be saved and have peace with God and then walk in the, in the peace of God. Brother Richard Wilson, I'd like to ask you to close us in a word of prayer tonight, sir.